Welcome to the Well Community Jokes. Good evening, everybody. I hope you're having a good day. I heard you guys are doing Alpha, because um, I know Alpha is something that uh, we're quite familiar with. Uh, I was quite involved in running Alpha for many years. I think we've run it somewhere in the neighborhood of 40 or 50 times over the last 20 years. And, um, and this is always one of the most exciting nights of Alpha, actually. But uh, I know it's a bit nerve-wracking, and uh, I get that. I'm, I, I get nervous, too. Like... Um, uh, Nikki Gumbel used to say, whenever they, you know, would have, like, you know, in the early days especially, teaching on healing, you know, everybody would sit at the front and would be excited for that, and then they would, they would say, look, we're going to take a 10-minute coffee break, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to do some healing, and then, of course, uh, after the coffee break, which would linger longer than usual, then everybody felt like it was important just to, you know, in humility, let other people sit at the front, you know. And uh, it's one of those things. It is a bit scary, but don't worry. We're going to have fun with it. So, um, and let me also say this, you know, uh, just love church plants and just love our church planter, Kevin. I want to say thank you so much for having me here, Kevin, but uh, just a little secret, just for you guys, please don't tell anybody else, but Kevin's my favorite church planter out of all of the church planters that we've worked with. Don't tell Aaron Gerard that, okay, please, but it's true. Okay, so when we read through the Gospels, it talks a little bit about Jesus' ministry and how we really can't miss something in that the whole power of God seems to work through Jesus for healing. And Jesus is someone who often felt uh, what he just called power flowing in him and through him for healing and for deliverance. And it was actually a power that he could feel that other people could sense as well. The Greek word to describe that is dunamis in the Bible, where we get our, Greek, our English word dynamite. Sometimes the scriptures associate this power of God for healing or for deliverance with different sensations. Like sometimes it talks about how the way that the spirit works is like fire or like heat. Sometimes when people sense the presence or the power of God, it's like waves they talk about, like waves of liquid love washing through them. Other times people will, will talk about like it's like breath or it's like a wind that sort of blows through them and they just sense something of the presence of God. Some of you are nodding your head because you say, yes, I know what you're talking about. Other times people feel like a gentle current of electricity just kind of coursing through their body. Again, um, it seems that that sensation of the power of God is key to Jesus directing um, his ministry. He feels the presence of the Lord manifest within him for healing at different times. Now, there's an interesting story in this. All of the synoptic gospels record this. One day, Jesus was walking down a busy street, okay? And there were all these people that were kind of crushing in on him, and they were, they were pushing. And if you've ever been in a third-world environment, maybe in a busy city uh, with narrow streets, you probably know what I'm talking about. You just, people are close. So they're pe- pressing into Jesus. And unknown to anybody there, there was this woman who had been suffering from a constant bleeding for 12 years. And no doctors have been able to help her. So she's kind of desperate, as you can imagine. And Matthew says, just then a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. She said to herself, if I only touch his cloak, I will be healed. Now, there's some debate out there about why is this woman aiming for the edge of Jesus' cloak? Not just the the cloak, but for the edge of it. Um, Notice that she's not really aiming to touch Jesus himself. Matthew intentionally emphasizes that she wants to touch the hem of his cloak, or the edge of it, you could call it, or the fringe, some verses say. And what is she aiming for and why? 
Well, that's where you have to understand that Jesus actually wore the traditional clothing of a Jewish man in his society. And the cloak that he wore was a robe with four corners, and each corner had a tassel at the end. And I'll just show you a little bit of what that might have looked like. Today, we still see Orthodox Jewish men wearing tassels underneath their suits, and they're called tzitzit today. Uh, I don't know if you want to just say that with me. Tzitzit. There you go. Okay. And uh, anyhow, when I was in Israel a few years ago, I, brought a, I bought a prayer shawl just to sort of show people what that would have looked like in terms of those tassels. Now, those tassels actually represented the authority of God over the Jewish people. It could have been then that this woman was reaching out for the tassels because she wanted to communicate God's authority over her, God's authority over her body. And that's certainly a possibility. There is another um, theory about why she was reaching for the edge of his cloak. And um, if I put the prayer shawl on like this, the idea is based on the way that a man's outer cloak was often placed over his head for prayer, making the tassels look like the wings of a bird. And so sometimes these tassels were referred to as wings. And if she was thinking in those terms, we don't know for sure, but if she was, she may have been motivated to reach for the edge of his cloak because she had read or had heard of something in Malachi chapter 2. And when it says, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. And that verse may be why she was reaching for the edges or for the, we would say, for the wings of his cloak. And again, it's just a theory, but she may have believed that there was a special power for healing in his seat seat. Now, it doesn't really matter why she was reaching for the tassels. It's just sort of an interesting thought that I would mention. What matters for the purpose of our discussion this evening is that uh, here's what happens after she reached out and she touched his cloak. It says, immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. And, and here's an interesting thing to notice that she actually felt something going on inside of her. And that sensation, we don't know exactly what it was. It may have been a sensation of heat, like often people will say when they've been healed by the Lord, they sense, they sense that. Or it might have been like we talked about, like waves of liquid love, or it might have been, you know, sort of a breath that they felt, or a wave. We don't know what the, she felt, but it could have been something. And it wasn't just the woman who felt something. Here's the other thing that was cool, is Jesus felt something too. So Mark's gospel says at once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothing? So Jesus felt something that was powerful, that dunamis, that power flowed out from him in a way that he could sense that happened. In Luke's gospel, Jesus stops. All of a sudden, he whirls around and he said, who touched me? And all of the disciples are like, Jesus, everybody's touching you. I mean, who isn't touching you? I mean, this is a busy, crowded street. And Jesus said, no, 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 somebody touched me because I know the power has gone out from me. Now, guys, I love this. Jesus is so just in sync with the presence of the Father by the Spirit that he could just immediately feel that when somebody by faith made a withdrawal by faith. And, and that, from that day forward, word got out. And here's the other cool thing. Check this out. Mark records, wherever he went, into villages, towns, or countryside. They placed the sick in the marketplaces. They begged him and let them, to let them touch the edge of his cloak, and all who touched it were healed. So friends, it became a thing. 
you know? I mean, reach for the tassels, people started to say. There's healing in those wings. And Luke records the people all tried to touch him because power was coming from him and healing them all. So we find that Jesus was just somebody who was so dialed into the presence of the Lord that he could sense that power was available for healing and for deliverance. In Luke chapter 5, it says, One day Jesus was teaching, and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village in Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. So Jesus is just teaching one day, okay? He's teaching people. And then something amazing happened. Check this out. It says, And the power of the Lord was present for him to perform healing. Now, we know that the power of the Lord wasn't always present for Jesus to perform healing because it says in the Bible that there were places Jesus could do no miracles because there was absolutely no faith. But in this location in Luke chapter 5, the power of the Father's presence was just sort of made manifest within him, and he sensed something within that told him it's time to do some healing. And one of the amazing ways that Jesus was just led into a life of miraculous activity was Jesus was aware of the reality of the Father's power for healing. Now, some of you are saying, okay, Steve, that's great. That's Jesus, right? I mean, Jesus was great. Jesus was wonderful. And you're not Jesus, and I'm not Jesus. So why don't we just leave it in the first century? That's what some people do believe. But I could go on, and we could actually look at all these things in the book of Acts, where the miracles continue even after Jesus' death and resurrection, even after his ascension, all these miracles continue in the book of Acts. Now, I had one friend of mine who's a pastor, and he said, well, Steve, you know, as they went along in the New Testament times, the healings became less frequent. And actually, that's not true. If you read the book of Acts, you find that the most extraordinary miracles in Acts take place near the end. It isn't until Acts chapter 19 that it talks about how Paul did extraordinary miracles and uh, it's kind of listed there what he did. And then at the end of Acts, the greatest miracle in the New Testament, apart from the resurrection, takes place. Paul, when he's on the island of Malta, heals all of the sick people on that island. Like an entire island of sick people are healed at the end of the book of Acts. And then it ends. So there's no sense in which, you know, it kind of peters out and then, you know, it stops happening. If you really look at the book of Acts, the idea is that it kind of ramps up as it goes along, as the gospel goes out into other lands. Anyhow, that's just the way I understand it. And now, um, you might be saying, well, still, I don't know. Maybe God has withdrawn his power. So for that, I'm just going to invite our friendly neighborhood pastor, Kevin to come up and join me, and we're going we're gonna to talk about this. So, so, Kevin, you've been a pastor for a number of years. You grew up in a Christian home, so you were always, of course, a strong believer in divine healing, right? Not at all. And for those of you who have been around the church, uh, you guys are fairly aware that I've, I've, I've been skeptical. I, um, I would always push back saying that God, God could heal, God can heal, he can do anything, but... Um, some of the extreme cases, uh, I just, there doubt, skepticism, and just kind of that, let's walk with people where they're at. Let's, the, the theology of suffering, let's journey with people rather than just emphasizing healing. Absolutely. And actually, when, when Kevin and I first met, um, I was just really uh, taken with him, impressed. But there was that one thing, like here in the Christian Missionary Alliance, we believe that Jesus is Savior, Sanctifier, and Healer 
incoming king. And, and we would talk about it, and I know that you had a very well-developed theology of suffering, but not a really, I would say, well-developed theology of healing. And so that was, at, at the end of it, I just thought, you know what, this isn't an issue that we need to, be, to worry about. I felt like I could trust the Lord with it in that respect. And, and then I was there when um, you had sort of a personal experience with healing this last summer. So first of all, just tell us, who, what did you need healing from? Uh, so I developed esophagitis. Um, I had choked on a Swiss LA chicken bone years ago and it developed some stuff in my esophagus. Um, but then after I had gotten food lodged there again in 2012, I believe it was, um, I couldn't get it through. And at that point, I went to ER, they pushed it through, dilated it, and I developed like just severe pain in my mm. esophagus that would inflame. And then I would tell Amanda, like, I can't even bend over to do dishes um, after we would eat a big meal. Um, and she thought I was making an excuse. And I'm like, really, it's painful. But uh, that's, that's what it developed over time. Wow. That's a serious thing. And, and uh, you know, one of the traditions that we have in the Christian and Missionary Alliance is to have a healing service when we get together for assembly. And, and uh, that's partly because the founder of the Alliance was healed in a dramatic way, and the fourfold gospel, as I talked about, has always included Jesus being our healer. So what was it like for you to come to that service at the end of assembly last summer? So that one is the one that I was at last June, a year ago, and um, I didn't know that there was a healing service, uh, even though it was on my card in the agenda. I was <laughs> kind of walking up to it like, oh, I wonder what's on the agenda this morning at nine, and it's a healing service, and I'm like, crap. Um, so I, I purposely walked in. I was going to turn around and just hang out at Starbucks, but again, um, I'm like, no, I'm going to gonna go hear what this guy has to say and sit in as far back as, as I possibly could. So now, I mean, let's admit it, though. We've all been there. We've all felt that way about healing services and that kind of thing. And, and we all know there's a wacky factor that, to this out there, you know, and we want to stay away from some of that we've probably seen on TV. But um, walk us kind of through the service. So what happened? So I walked in, sat far back. It was a huge auditorium. Um, so I was able to go way back and where there weren't many lights, critique the pastor's message the whole time. So that terrifies me when I'm in front of you guys. But, um, <laughs> it's just what we do. Yeah. But I uh, was like, ah, oh, that's an okay point. That's a bit of an overstatement. And then at the end, he's like, I'm going to provide opportunity for healing. And I'm like, and I started already feeling like this like sensation of like, I hope I'm not asked. Like, but like you kind of start getting that nudge. And he's like, I'm going to ask people to stand. And I kept thinking like, my thing isn't that bad. Like I'm taking a daily medication. It's fine. Um, but when he did ask people to stand, I finally was like, okay, like what's the harm? So I stood up. Uh, again, I didn't think I'd be seen. So then he's like, there's people in the back standing, come forward. And uh, so I'm like, okay, like, now, so I walked down a few steps and, and the most embarrassing part of it all was that Steve was actually sitting right there with his wife and I'm standing there being like, I'm asking for healing. But meanwhile, I'd been arguing with you and debating our theology on healing. And uh, yeah, that was, that was an awkward moment. That's a minute. <laughs> You know, it's funny, but uh, Krista, actually, I didn't notice you, but Krista saw you right away, and she said, there's Kevin, 
And so we ran down, and we actually had a couple that we knew from Calgary that were with us, and so we joined you, and we kind of, you know, uh, gathered around, and I said, how can we pray for you? So what happened next? So then at that point, um, I just said, I, I have this condition, esophagitis, I've been taking this medication for it, and I feel like I just need to ask for prayer. And uh, so they began praying for me. Um, I believe you stopped halfway through and kind of asked, was I feeling anything? Was anything different? There wasn't anything too crazy. I'd felt a bit of, a bit of warmth, um, but then um, the, the, the couple that you were with, uh, right. they had asked, they said, um, the, the word that came to his mind was forgiveness. He's like, is there someone you need to forgive? And right away, I just started bawling, and I'm like, I need to forgive Pastor Steve, and he's Pastor Steve, but I was talking about a different Pastor I Steve. I was thankful for that. And uh, <laughs> when I first said that, yeah, he's kind of like, wait, what? And... Um, but then there were a few other people, too, that I, I listed off that I needed to, to um, forgive. And again, nothing crazy happened other than me sobbing. Um, but uh, it was just kind of like, okay, we finished prayer. And that was kind of it. So then I remember, you know, um, that was one of the kind of barriers that the speaker had mentioned was... Uh, forgiveness, you know, which is powerful. And then you had sort of responded so well to that. I was a bit worried when my friend uh, Gary had mentioned that because I just thought, oh, that's a bit bold. But, you know, he felt compelled by the Spirit to ask you that question, and it was amazing. So just tell me a bit about um, after we prayed for you, and then you kind of went out. We had a little coffee break, and then there was a testimony time afterwards. And when you came back into the auditorium, people were at the front already starting to give some testimonies of healing. And how the Lord had kind of ministered to them at that time when they were being prayed for. And you sat beside me and I asked you, how do you feel? And do you remember what you said to me? Uh, the first thing, I remember walking in being like, there's no way I'm going up there. And then the only way I knew how to really test it was, I, I think I leaned over to you and said, if you have a beer that I could chug, then I could actually know if I've been healed or not. <laughs> Praise and, uh, Jesus. So I... Uh, <laughs> I'm like, hey, but there's no way to test this uh, right now, so I'm just going to sit in my seat and just see how things go. I remember you said um, you had eaten an orange or something, which you thought would inflame it, and then you were feeling better, and you had said something to me like, I don't want to tell you how I'm feeling because you'll make me go up there. <laughs> Anyhow, um, just a final question. What has happened since that time? So since that time, that morning before the service was the last time I took the medication for, for my esophagitis, um, which I, I still somewhat um, joke around saying, like, I'm still a skeptic. I'm waiting for it to come back. Uh, as soon as I get some heartburn, I'm like, oh, is this it? Yeah. But yeah, um, yeah. no, like since that day, I haven't taken my med medication. Hmm. Um, probably haven't helped with the dishes as much as I should, but uh, wow. life is life. <laughs> we're, we're on the journey. <laughs> Awesome. That's really exciting. And I thank you so much, Kevin. I really appreciate that. Really do. That's, that's an awesome story. You know, um, it's really incredible. There's so many different stories that I've had the opportunity just to see the way that God wants to uh, heal people. And I hope that you will just respond with a little mustard seed of faith. If you are given the opportunity to be prayed for, I know it can be a little bit difficult to put your expectations out there, but sometimes all you need is just a tiny bit of faith to go for it.
Let me talk a little bit quickly about some facts of, of, of healing because I just want to mention some biblical balance that will help us here because you might be going, oh, this guy's new. This is a little bit weird. So let me just say a few facts about divine healing. Number one, not everybody was divinely healed in the Bible, even those who prayed for healing. For example, you got Paul who's thorn in the flesh. He prayed for it three times. Then God interrupted him the third time and said, you know what? You can stop praying about this because we're going in a different direction here in this situation. And you know, we can't name it and claim it then when it comes to healing prayer. All we can do is just cooperate with the Lord. He's the one who heals. He's in charge. Fact number two, God uses the miracle of modern medicine to heal people. So, you know, um, certainly in the Christian Missionary Alliance, we believe that prayer and medicine go together beautifully. It's not one or the other, but both and. We encourage you to see your doctor. Please do what the doctor says, but also come to the Lord. Ask for him to heal you too. And it's not a matter of either or. It's uh, prayer and medicine. God loves doctors. It was the good Dr. Luke who wrote the third gospel. It was the good Samaritan who bandaged up and medically cared for the guy who'd been beaten by robbers. One time, uh, Paul's friend Timothy was suffering very similar from you know, some stomach issues. And Paul didn't give him the advice to just pray about it. What did Paul say? Do you know? He said, not beer this time, drink a little wine, he said, for your stomach problems. And uh, in some ways, that was sort of like an elementary medicine that he was prescribing. So we never say, go off your meds to anybody who comes for prayer. It's just not our job. We let the medical community decide if somebody's been healed. A couple of years ago, my friend was actually, um, so my friend Gary that you met there, he was uh, healed of a blood condition. Okay, by the Lord, I prayed for him and it had nothing to do with me. It just the Lord chose that moment to dramatically heal Gary. And later on, when his blood test came in, he got a call from a specialist. You got to come in and see me. So he goes in, he arrives at the doctor's office, and he's surprised because all three of his specialists that he's been seeing are now gathered together in one room and they want to talk to him. And they hold his blood test in his hand in their hands, and they say, your blood is literally different. You have to tell us what you did, what happened to you. We don't understand. My friend was a brand new Christian at the time, so you can forgive him for saying, I went to a pastor in Caledonia, and he healed me. And when I heard that, I went, whoa, no, 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 wrong. I hadn't, that wasn't me. I have no power to heal. That was Jesus. And so, um, I was actually talking to that friend just to get that part of his story right a little while ago. And he told me that one of the specialists still calls him four years later and asks him to come in every year for an appointment. And she, she's not a Christian yet, but she wants to talk about the Lord. So who knows? That story hasn't been finished yet. Uh, another thing, fact number three, you don't have to feel something right away for God to heal you. I know we've been talking a bit today about the woman who came to Jesus, and she felt something immediately. And even, um, even Kevin, there was something there that he felt, just a little bit of heat. And sometimes the Lord does that, but sometimes that doesn't happen. So at the same assembly, I laid hands on and I prayed for a young man to be healed from cancer. And um, I know this young man, Matt, and nothing happened immediately. He didn't feel any different, but he had... Somewhere between, the doctor said, stage three and four cancer. And the doctors tested him and gave him a heavy dose of chemo. And the chemo actually made him feel terrible. They stopped doing it. And his family assumed that he was going to die. But when they tested him after that, he was totally healed. And what surprised the doctor was that there was no trace of cancer. No trace. The cancer that was on his liver and other organs, he said, was completely gone. And the doctor said, it's as if it had never been there in the first place. 
So my point just being that even if you don't experience a feeling of God's power, or even if you're not healed right away, don't, you know, that doesn't mean that God won't heal you. He can work through all kinds of ways. Fact number four, you don't, even, uh, you don't always need a whole lot of faith to be healed or to pray for somebody to be healed. I mean, back when I was in seminary, I was doing pastoral visits for the first time in my life, and I thought it was a pastoral thing at the end of this visit with this elderly couple to say, how can I pray for you? And uh, the one woman who was there, she said, I've been experiencing a lot of pain in my arm for some time, and I don't know what it is. So I prayed for her very dutifully, but I didn't expect anything to happen. I just did that because I thought that's what pastors were supposed to do, is pray for people. No expectation at all that anything would happen. Two weeks later, my my father-in-law told me, I've been speaking to the husband of that woman that you prayed for two weeks ago. And the pain in his wife's arm, he says, went away the moment you prayed for it. And nobody was more surprised to hear that than me. Because I really didn't think that God would answer my prayer. And look back, looking back, I wonder what caused me to be praying for something that I had no faith would ever happen. I wouldn't say it was no faith. I had a little bit of faith. Just a mustard seed of faith. Just enough faith to pray for the poor woman. And that was all it seemed to take. Looking here at Kevin's story, he didn't have a, I think you wouldn't mind my saying, didn't have a ton of faith for healing, you know. But he had enough faith to stand. That was pretty cool. Had enough faith to step out of the shadows. That was amazing. Had enough faith to explain, uh, you know, his need. And, and, And you know what? Here's the cool thing. It doesn't even matter how much faith you have. If you have a little bit, What matters is who you have your faith in. And, you know, Kevin had his faith in the right person. And then fact number five, healing prayer can be for lots of kinds of of healing. So we could pray for you tonight for physical healing, emotional healing, marital healing. We could pray for you for mental healing. We could pray for spiritual healing, relational healing. We could uh, deliverance, whatever opportunity, whatever need you have. Just let us know. And then fact number six, it's good to address any barriers to divine healing. Check out this verse from James. Is any one of you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they've sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And it goes on to say, Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. So the Bible mentions there's a few like barriers, or you could just talk about roadblocks for people to ask for prayer for healing. And it's good to know what those are. The first barrier can be unbelief. The text says there that the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. Now, I already said you don't have to have a lot of faith, but there is a difference between a little bit of faith and no faith at all. And so it's important, I think, just even to say, God, help my unbelief. I don't know if I believe this is true. I've never experienced this personally, but help me to believe, and that's okay. Here's another barrier, can be unforgiveness, and that was already mentioned. It says there, if they have sinned, they will be forgiven. And when we come for healing prayer, we need to remember that God has forgiven us, but we also need to remember what it says in Colossians, forgive as the Lord forgave you. So feel free to forgive people, as Kevin did, in order to come for healing prayer. Another barrier can be unconfessed sin. It says there, therefore confess your sins to each other. 
and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And God will sometimes prompt us to confess our sin to Him. Sometimes He'll even prompt us to confess our sin like heaven did to each other. The sin of unbelief uh, was, was uh, a sin that He confessed. And that can be humbling. I know for you, uh, I don't know about you, but for me, like, I sometimes don't want to confess my sins because, you know, I forget that we're all sinners. We all sin every day. Nobody here can look down on anybody else, but we forget that. And so sometimes we're reluctant to confess our sin. But there's some freedom that we can experience through confession. And a final barrier is unworthiness. So many people feel like the Lord would never answer their prayers because they're not holy enough. They're not good enough. They're not valuable enough. But James 5 says, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it wouldn't rain, and it didn't rain. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain. The Bible says, what makes you righteous is not your goodness. It's not your effort. It's the righteousness of Christ that has been given to you. And so, therefore, Elijah was a person just like you. God used Elijah, even though he was a messed up individual, just like you are. There was no difference fundamentally between you and Elijah. Elijah, as we say, put on his pants one leg at a time, just like you. And when, when it got too uh, hot in the bathtub, Elijah did this just like you do. Right? I mean, really. So we have to remember that. And we should repent of the idea that you know, you have to be more worthy or something for God to use you. And you've got to believe that he can and he will do great things in you. Now, at this time, I'm just going to ask you to do a little bit of listening to the Lord. You do have pens and pencils and, or maybe uh, some paper there if you want to journal. Or just close your eyes and listen. But if you don't mind, let's just spend some time in listening prayer. And I'm going to just ask the Lord a question, and I wonder if you could just let the Holy Spirit reveal to your mind the answer to this question, and I'm going to just pray, Father, which one of these barriers do we need to deal with today? I'm just going to ask you to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal which one of these barriers that we've been talking about do you struggle with the most? Is it the barrier of unworthiness? Is it the barrier of unconfessed sin? Or is there some unforgiveness? Or is there unbelief? Holy Spirit, would you just reveal to us which one of these barriers do we struggle with the most? So, at this time, I'm just going to invite you to turn to the people that are in your groups there. And just talk briefly about which one of those barriers you think you need to deal with. By the way, nobody needs to share anything they're not comfortable with. But if you just, there might have been something that you realized, like maybe unbelief. You might say, you know what, I just had to admit to God that I really don't have a lot of faith when I pray for people to be healed. Or maybe it's unworthiness. Maybe, maybe you'll share with your friends, you know, I realize I don't think I'm good enough for God to answer my prayers. Or something like that. Uh, many people struggle with that. So why don't you just in your groups, just in confidence, share a little bit of the answer that you thought you got for that question. What barrier do you need to, uh, maybe we can put the list of barriers up there. I don't know if we can put them back up. Thanks. Go for it. Have a chat. So in a moment, we're just going to invite you to stand if you need prayer. And I hope you'll feel free to do that. Um, 
And we're going to ask the people around you to pray for you. And uh, it's a real simple thing. Actually, because we've run Alpha so many times, I can say we've done this dozens of times. We often will read words of knowledge um, at this time that we receive from those who um, have a gift of word of knowledge. Now, the Bible talks a little bit about the gift of word of knowledge. And um, I'll show you, I'll tell you a bit of why I think God uses this and, and a little bit of just how it kind of functions. The last time we did the sealing service at our church, very similar to this format, um, there was a woman who was driving on the way to the healing service, okay, and she for three and a half years had not had an entire night's sleep, not once. She had a pain behind her eyes, okay, but she's driving to the healing night and she's making a deal with God and here's what the deal goes like. She says to herself, look, um, I'll go, God, to the healing service, but I won't stand up and ask for prayer. That's the deal we've got, okay? So she makes that very clear to him. And then I read a word of knowledge up here, and it goes like this. There might be somebody here. I always try to give it with an open hand, you know. I said, there might be someone here who has a persistent pain behind their eyes, like a headache. And she just was so upset. She said, God, we had a deal. <laughs> but... With that mustard seed of faith, she stood up after that. She wasn't going to, but she stood up after that. And we prayed for her. And that night, she had the first full night of sleep that she had had in three and a half years. And I asked her just the other... It was back in January. And I asked her the other day. And as a pastor, you're always a bit nervous to ask, right? How are your headaches? She says, haven't had one. Amazing. Amazing. Because she had a constant, persistent, everyday headache. So uh, just incredible. And I don't know, I offer these to say, maybe they're from the Lord. I want to offer them with humility and with open hands. And perhaps there's somebody here who fits one of these. And just know that if the Lord brings this up and mentions something that you need prayer for, that's just because he's got something good in store for you. I don't know what that good is, but he wants to encourage you to be prayed for. And so, I would just mention about that is maybe that's an opportunity for you to talk to Kevin about that this week. Give him a call and uh, confess that and, you know, see where the Lord takes that. But if that's something that maybe came to mind when we talked about confessing sin, then don't worry about it. The Lord knows he's got grace on tap for you, and maybe that's an opportunity for you to call your pastor and to just share that and to receive prayer. So here's my basic instructions. Stand uh, if you need healing from the Lord in a moment, um, of any kind at all, emotional, marital, you know, uh, physical. Others gather around, ask the person, how, we can, how can we pray for you? Let them respond with a brief answer. They don't need to go into every detail about it, just, just brief. Um, Anoint the person's head with oil. Uh, we've got oil here, so you can grab it. We'll run it around to you. I'll make sure we've got uh, oil to pray for. Lay on hands, maybe shoulder, or if the feel person's comfortable, you can put your hand on their head. Listen for just a minute. See if the Lord shows you how to pray for them. And the Lord may give you a scripture or a word of encouragement for them. And then pray for them. And then after you pray for them, initially ask how they're doing. And then feel free to pray for them again. So we want to just give you an opportunity right now just to have a safe place to explore this whole idea. And so you don't have to, it doesn't have to be related to one of those words of knowledge. Please, would you just stand if you would like us to pray for you? If there's any physical or emotional or any, any you know, thing that we can pray for, just please stand at this time. Awesome. Thank you so much. That's great. So why don't we all just, um, uh, well, let me just pray for you and then I'll, I'll let you guys go. Heavenly Father, 
Thank you so much for those who have stood just out of faith to trust and to believe you, Father, for healing. And Lord, for the rest of us, would you help us to gather around them and minister one to another. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.